It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1002 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, August 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out all uh, or check out the podcast and all your favorite podcast providers, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, tell a friend, all that stuff. And... Some exciting news as of Monday. You'll be able to find the podcast in video form on YouTube. Just go to my pinned tweet. You'll see the link for the new Locked on Raptors YouTube page, and you can sign up in there. And a very special guest will be joining me for the very first video episode of the podcast. It is Leonard Hamilton, the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, who coached Scotty Barnes, of course, in his one year at Florida State. That's going to be a big one on Monday, on video, on YouTube. Go and subscribe right now. All right. On today's show, we are continuing Kyle Lowry week here on the podcast. I love talking about Kyle Lowry. And today's guest also loves talking about Kyle Lowry. And today we're going to talk specifically about what I think you'd classify as Kyle Lowry's peak 2014 to 2017. There were three years in there where he you know, started making all-star teams, made three in a row, made an all-NBA team in that stretch, and was very clearly the best player on the Toronto Raptors at that time. Joining me to talk about this wonderful time in Raptors history is from the score and the wonderful Pound the Rock podcast. It is Joe Wolfon. Joe, how's it going, buddy? I mean, it's great now. Like, what could be better than <laughs> than doing this on a Wednesday afternoon, man? Talking about the, the greatest years of Kyle Lowry's and by extension, my life. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on, man. You're now with child. You have better years ahead than Kyle Lowry ever could have provided. But uh, it's true. Uh, I realize I, now I've got to be like careful about saying stuff like that because uh, <laughs> you can get in but, trouble on this podcast. Don't get in trouble in real life. It's like practice for real life. You're all set. Um, but we're, we're very happy to have you on the show, man. And I'm really excited to dive into my favorite era of Kyle. Actually, I don't know if that's true. I have other favorite eras of Kyle that I'll, I could sort through the rest of the week as we carry on here, but we should very much talk about 2014 through 2017, three seasons where the Raptors win a whole bunch of games. They get their two first, two first 50 win seasons in that stretch in 2015, 16 and 2016, 17. They of course make a conference finals in 2015, 16 Kyle Lowry makes 13 all NBA that year, but we should take this back to 2014 where of course the Raptors coming off their surprising run to the playoffs and the loss to the Brooklyn Nets 
Kyle Lowry re-signs in the offseason amid a little bit of concern where he's going to go. I know the Heat were sort of lurking around then. They kind of always seem to be lurking around Kyle Lowry, I guess because the Miami Heat are smart or something like that. Uh, and he ends up coming back to the Raptors, of course, I believe in a four-year, $48 million deal, which is hilariously uh, cost-effective in hindsight. Um, Joe, I guess let's start with the end of that series against the Nets moving into his free agency. Did you feel like at all confident he was going to stay? Did you feel like okay, they've kind of figured something out here. And did you have any idea of what was to come with Kyle Lowry as he continued his late career uh, trajectory development-wise? I think as far as the confidence level with him re-signing, it was like, no, there was no confidence level. Like, (laughs) you got to understand that was... I think at the time, there was still like the stigma about Toronto. We were still, you know, the franchise that everybody left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was before DeRozan signed his big deal, you know, without taking any other free agent meetings. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, and this sort of ties into whether I saw the rest of his Raptors career coming. I mean, I, to the extent that I don't think anybody could have foreseen what his Raptors tenure actually became, sure. you know, at least not to that extent. But as far as like recognizing how good he actually was and potentially could be in the future... I do think I was there. Like I remember writing even that season, like this is the best player the Raptors have had since Vince Carter. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there was that whole thing. Obviously he, he got passed over for all-star selection by Joe Johnson mm-hmm. and that got the fan base up in arms and justifiably. So, <laughs> so I don't think it was like at that point, I think we were already past people overlooking him or not recognizing how special he was capable of being and that, you know, he was the biggest driver of that team's success. The reason, you know, even though DeMar was an all-star that season, he wasn't, I think, um, you know, the enlightened faction of the fan base that has always appreciated Kyle for what he brings, <laughs> recognized at the time that he was the biggest driver of their success and that if they were going to mm-hmm. continue to be successful, it was contingent on him sticking around. So, you know, I, and I don't, I remember thinking that he, he could 100% leave and all those good vibes from that season would just disappear. Uh, mm-hmm. And all the positive momentum and the feeling like suddenly out of nowhere, really, it felt like the Raptors were building towards something because coming into that season, it, it seemed like they had no direction, no plan. Like mm-hmm. the plan basically was at least at one point in time to tank for Andrew Wiggins. Yep. <laughs> and, and so when, you know, that, I think it was late at night when that photo uh, dropped on Instagram of him in the Vince Carter throwback uniform Mm-hmm. announcing that he was re-signing, saying that it wasn't Amir Johnson's jersey. <laughs> jersey, <laughs> And um, that he was going to be back. I mean, I, I think because they were using those throwbacks for their what, what was going to be their 20th anniversary season in 2014-15. Yeah. Um, that was a cool way for him to announce it. And I think, you know, one thing I certainly remember about that photo is uh, the – the the jersey it like didn't fit him all that well like the, the love <laughs> handles were very prominent in that photo and i just think as a contrast to like the the first photo that we saw of him in the following off season when when the legend of skinny lowry was born mm-hmm. just a funny bookend to what was a really strange 2014-15 season yeah the um the the love handles For sure. I mean, first of all, by the way, no one knows how to pander to Raptors fans by wearing throwback gear better than Kyle Lowry. He's very good at it. Um, The it it is funny because like the the beefy picture of Kyle that summer kind of 
foretold how things were going to end horribly the following season with the Wizards here. And I'm not saying like Kyle was out of shape or whatever, but he clearly broke down by the end of that season for a bunch of factors we're about to get into. So we move into the 2014-15 season. There's excitement. Kyle's re-signed. It's the first big guy they've been able to keep around basically ever, you know, save for Morris Peterson, I suppose. And you know, I think there's optimism, but also like, uh, really? Like, is this just like a good team now? Is that actually true? And then they come out and they're awesome at the start of that season. I think they started 23 and seven is the like the record they ended up getting, maybe 24 and seven. And I guess the big sort of flashbulb moment in the start of that year is about a month and a half in. I remember I was at a concert at the Danforth Music Hall. The Blues, Blue Jays had just traded for Josh Donaldson and DeMar DeRozan tears is a adductor or something like that in his groin and it's like oh damn like this wonderful start to the season has been derailed kyle lowry said we're fine don't worry and began to play one of his best stretches of basketball i think as a raptor ultimately it would come to sort of wear him down and i think you know you saw the effects of him carrying so much of a burden as he got into the playoffs but what do you recall from that stretch from Kyle? He was obviously very good before DeMar went down too, but for him to just kind of take over the team, I think that was like the first sort of onslaught of like vintage Kyle Lowry games I can recall. Basically every night it seemed. I, I know there was that huge duel with uh, Dame Lillard in Portland one night. I think that uh, I think they lost that game, but it was like a, a really fun sort of late night experience to stay up and watch that one. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other ones, but there were just so many. It, it kind of all blends together. What was your sort of recollection of that? era of Lowry, that first sort of moment where he carries the team by himself, essentially. I think he won player of the month in December that year. Yep. Uh, He was, he was just completely off the charts. And I think it was just, obviously it's not like it it had been a total outlier season from him in 2013, 14. Like everyone Mm -hmm. does think of Lowry as being this late bloomer, which in a lot of ways he was, you know, obviously in terms of the shooting, I think that's the the thing that really put his game over the top. And that didn't come until a little bit later, mm-hmm. but he'd been putting together very productive seasons for like the few years before that, um, yep. you know, with Houston and even his first year with the Raptors and just wasn't playing enough. Um, I think to really showcase just like the, the full breadth of his capabilities. But I do think there was an element of like, okay, you had this amazing season. You led this team to the playoffs. You re-signed on, you know, what at the time, was seen I think as a fair market deal and now it's like go and prove it and mm-hmm. I think people maybe forget this or overlook it because of the the bitter taste that was left in everybody's mouth with the way that season ended but that team fucking rocked for the start <laughs> of that season like there was so yeah. much like positive energy and I, I remember being at games early on in the season and it was like a totally different vibe than even like, you know, the brief blip in the Chris Bosch era, like those two seasons when they went to the playoffs, like it was nowhere close to to just like the feeling of momentum building and positive buzz that was in the arena for for the first couple of months of that season when it seemed like this was like you were just sort of on that upward trajectory. Like this was a team mm-hmm. on the rise and they were fully backing up what they had done in 2013-14. And it was it was starting to feel like, OK, that was our, our learning experience year. We lost in the playoffs. And this is the year when we really take that next step. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that, you know, I think basically uh, come like when the calendar flipped around New Year's, I think that was around the time they played that game against Portland, which which they lost in overtime. I think that might have been a New Year's game. Yeah, the they were at the December. Yeah, they were at the top of the East. Like mm-hmm. they they were 
absolutely running roughshod over the rest of the conference, including Cleveland in their first year with LeBron back. Like there, there had been a game uh, early in the season when the Raptors went into Cleveland and just shit kicked the Cavs. The Lou and, Will game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Lou Will, I think, dropped like 36 points in that game. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, it seemed like DeRozan going down was going to sap some of that momentum. And, it, and for a while, it just didn't at all. And that was obviously thanks to Lowry playing some of the best basketball. I mean, at that point in time, probably the best basketball of his career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he he goes on a run after Demar goes down on the third on the twenty eighth of November. He goes for twenty nine and nine at the Lakers. He goes for twenty seven and thirteen at Sacramento. He goes for thirty nine on thirteen of twenty two at Utah because he loves to destroy Utah just with every fiber of his being, and that that continues out like you said basically through the month of December, and then the calendar flips and the attrition, I think kind of starts to seep in DeMar comes back uh, January 8th is the day. I remember it was a game against Charlotte. He comes back. They lose that game and the vibes are kind of off. It, it seems a little bit sort of precarious. Uh, you know, Kyle looks like he, you know, his shooting lines are starting to get a lo- little wonky. Oh, there's a six of 17 and a seven of 22 and a three of 12 and a six of 15. And, you know, things start to get away from them a little bit. And then he misses a couple of games, right? Like he, yeah, he misses quite a bit of time in the back part of this season. Um, you know, he misses three games on their own. I think that was more sort of like a maintenance sort of period. He takes three games off. They lose to the Knicks. One of those games with DeMar having like the failed 360. That's sort of a famous loss, I think, in Raptors history. Uh, and then he misses a good chunk of games in the final month of the season. And so I guess March and into April. And I don't know, where were you at with the team at that time? You know, obviously we'd seen the heights that Kyle could attain. We had seen DeMar had some, some pretty good moments that season as well. Were you going into the playoffs with any sort of like fear that things were going to fall off the rails even further? Like, did you foresee the 4-0 loss to the Wizards? I remember picking the Raptors to win that series in six because as much as the Raptors kind of looked like butt going into the playoffs, the Wizards were also kind of a garbage fire at that time. I remember talking to Wizards folks being like, we hate this team, they're stupid, they're going to lose, like they're awful. And the Raptors, of course, uh, got it handed to them. Where was your sort of mindset at with Kyle and the team down the stretch of that season with Lowry missing so much time, very clearly because he'd taken on so much responsibility where, Mm -hmm. you know, I think this is kind of when Kyle minutes, Twitter became a real thing. And it's really kind of turned into its own sort of like war uh, among people who followed the team. So, so closely, where were you at as that season was coming to an end? Yeah. I'm, I I wouldn't say I was super confident, but I did think they were going to beat the wizards. They dominated them in the regular season Mm -hmm. and like you said, like the Wizards had also been a team that had had a really good first half and kind of fallen apart in the second half. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at two teams that uh, were certainly not playing their best basketball <laughs> going into the playoffs and had maybe peaked a bit too early. But I felt like the Raptors basically had the matchup advantages and had played the Wizards well in the regular season. So I thought, you know, I don't think they're going to make a long playoff run like maybe I had thought early in the season, but I did feel like that was a team right there that they were capable of beating. Mm-hmm. Certainly didn't see the 4 nothing beatdown coming, but I-, I do think what it boiled down to was like the team was really good early in the year because Kyle Lowry was really, really good early in the year. <laughs> and when Lowry was no longer Lowry, and he was not. I mean, no. When, when people talk or would talk, you know, until I guess – a couple of years ago about playoff Lowry 
and how he was a different player in the postseason and was a choker and whatever else they would say that was pretty unfounded for the most part about about him not coming through in big spots. So much of that, I, I think, came from that series because that yeah. was just about the worst basketball that he has ever played. Like, he got he got cooked at both ends. Like, he got yeah. swallowed up by John Wall. He could not stay in front of Wall on defense. Like, he got torched at the point of attack. He couldn't shoot. And so, like, obviously, you know, if, if I had seen that coming from Lowry, yeah, I probably would have pre- predicted that the Raptors were going to get swept because... Mm-hmm. And, and that was low-key, like, a pretty bad DeRozan season, too. Like, when he came back from that injury, he was never quite the same. Yeah. And and just by the end of that season, you know, uh, a campaign that, that had started out with so much promise and, and positive energy had really, like, the whole thing just wheezed to the finish line. Um, and obviously, yeah. like, the defense was the big problem with that team. Like, that team could score. I think they finished with, like, the, with a top-five offense that year. Yeah, but they were also like bottom six or seven in defense. They couldn't stop anybody. And the thing with the Wizards that year was like the Wizards had actually a pretty good defense, but they had a terrible offense. So I was like, all yeah. right, what's going to win out here? <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, we saw what won out. Um, and yeah, uh, well, I, I think Paul Pierce had like a 75% true shooting in that series, which I'm still mad about because it, <laughs> yeah, I'm bleeping that out. We don't need to talk about that part. <laughs> <laughs> as broken as the Raptors were, like by the end of that season, there was still like game one still went to overtime somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. the Grievous Vasquez shimmy that everybody remembers. Uh, and then game three was like also a super, super tight game that the Raptors mm-hmm. very much could have won, if not for Paul Pierce. And like, you know, again, as broken as they were, they still could have made that a series if the Wizards hadn't gotten some outlier performances from some of their role players. Yeah, Lowry's lines in the series, seven points on two of 10 in game one. He fouls out in 33 minutes. Uh, in game two, he plays just 27 minutes. I think he had some foul trouble there, too. He had four fouls in the game. Uh, three of 10 from the field, six points. Uh, game three, five of 22, 15 points, seven assists. And then in the closeout one, they lose by 31 is his one good shooting game where he goes eight of 15 and has 21. I think very clearly the nadir of Kyle Lowry's time with the Raptors. And of course we know things get much better. We will continue on and dive into the the part where things get awesome with Kyle Lowry, even more awesome than they did earlier on in 2014, 15 before he, you know, had back injuries and couldn't jump anymore. We'll get to that in a second, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is a daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. It is the only meditation app, one of the only meditation apps that is advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace is a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Look, everything is bad all the time in the world we live in, but Headspace can help you feel a little bit better about it. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash NBA. That's headspace.com slash NBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now on the site. Head to headspace.com slash NBA. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars you can find anywhere. They're delicious. You get nine flavors and their sort of staple lineup. They have limited flavors, flavors that pop up all the time, including things like grasshopper cookie, which I had one of those today. It was very, very good and powered me through my bike ride. You've also got the regular flavors like cookies and cream, strawberry, raspberry, mint brownie, which is another one of my faves. I think you can sense. I like mint and chocolate as a combination. It's quite good. If you don't know what flavor you want, you can get a mixed box where you get two of the nine flavors and decide which one you want to buy a full crate of afterwards. All of the flavors are great tasting and healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, just four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. All right, Joe, let's continue on here. With Kyle Lowry talk, we move into 2015-16, which I don't know if we want to get in the business of saying his best season with the team. I think I am sort of a real fan of 2019-20 as well, and there's a lot of kind of emotion and sort of a lack of baggage tied up in that season. Well, we can get to that on a later podcast, but 15-16 certainly on the list, and it's his only All-NBA season. He goes in 77 games, plays 37 minutes a game, which is crazy, 21.2 points, 4.7 boards, 6.4 assists, 2.1 steals. He shoots 39% on seven attempts from three a game and uh, shoots 46% from twos as well. One of his better marks over the course of his career. He got a lot better at shooting twos after that as well. Uh, really good season from Kyle Lowry. He was incredible. And uh, I, I don't really like know where to even begin. It was start to finish a masterful year. Joe, where does this season rank for you in terms of favorite Kyle Lowry seasons? That's number one for me. Like, oh yeah, okay. I, I definitely have a soft spot for for twenty nineteen twenty. Like, just because I think it was less like like it was more improbable, uh-huh. and I certainly didn't expect it to the same degree. Like, if for him to have, you know, after he really took a scaled down offensive role in the Kawhi season, mm-hmm. um, and it honestly wasn't entirely clear whether he had that kind of season left in him when when he took on more of uh, you know an offensive like a high usage offensive role and, you know, could he actually carry the team to that same extent? And he did. So like for, for all those reasons, that, that season was definitely up there uh, mm-hmm. and, and could give this year a run for its money. But, um, but, but for like from start to finish, it's just, you know, this was the one when we just talked about 2014, 15 and how it ended. Mm-hmm. Like he, he came into 2015, 16 with something to prove. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, it started with, like, I remember just seeing that photo, that off-season photo. With Kyle O'Quinn. With, with Kyle O'Quinn. <laughs> um, and I think it was J.J. Redick, like, commented on that photo being like, Where, what happened to the rest of Kyle Lowry? <laughs> and and that was really just, like, the first indication of of the, the kind of mentality that he, that he was coming into that season with. Um, mm-hmm. And... Like there are just so many memorable individual performances from that season, like more than I think in any other, like there's so many that stand out to me, I think. And even compared to 2019, 20, when obviously like, you know, there's like the Dallas game, there are those performances against Boston and the playoffs. Like there's a lot that stands out from that season, but in terms of his individual performances, I don't think there's any season where more of them stand out than uh, there were in 2015, 16. Um, I'm like, I'm thinking of like that regular season game against the Warriors. The Warriors yep. came in undefeated. Uh, I, I can't remember like 
I know they ran it to 24 eventually. I think at the time they might've been like 13 or 14 and 0. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. a, a Sunday matinee, I believe in Toronto. Yeah. And it was uh, a Saturday. I remember it was the same Saturday. night of TFC. I believe TFC was in like their first MLS cup final while it was happening or something like that. I know I was at a Christmas party and like ducking out of the party to go and watch the game on the hotel TV. <laughs> yeah, it was. So he, he went like toe to toe with Steph that game yep. and they, they were right there until the very end. I think they were, they were up by three with like a couple minutes left in that game. And it really seemed like they were going to do it. He finished with 41 Steph mm-hmm. finished with 44. Um, he had like, they were down by three. I think late in that game, he had an and one to tie it. Like, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, and the thing about that one too, is that uh, no one else except for Bebe played well in that game. Right. Like Demar was awful. Damari Carroll yeah. was terrible. It was just, and Bebe like, really like throw realistically, <laughs> yeah. Why did Bebe play well in that game? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, it was the Kyle Lowry effect. And so, yeah, like th- there was that game. I mean, th- that game against the Cavs late in the season when I think the Raps were like two games behind them for the number one seed. Mm-hmm. And I remember like talking to a lot of people being like, you know, this is probably the biggest regular season game in Raptors history. Like yep. they had a legitimate chance at the one seed and also just had a chance to kind of make a statement against his team that they were most likely going to have to go through in the playoffs at some point in time. And DeMar was awful that game. I think he wound up hitting one field goal. Was yep, he, One of was, 11. I think he was sick. Like he left the game for a while because he wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. And Lowry finished with 43, including the the game-winning step-back jumper over Della Vadova. Um then that was like, I'll just always remember that. That's probably like my all time favorite individual performance from Lowry. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked I, about I, it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> um, if you, if you bake like situation into it, like it's obviously going to, it's always going to be hard to top like game six of the finals. Yeah. But just in terms of sheer, like if you just like strip away context and like what's like the one game where I think he actually played the best. Um, I feel like that's the one and obviously like him hitting the game winner with a couple seconds left on the clock just sort of ices it. Um, but it was also just like for, for the statement that that game was, um, and for at the time, like a team that still very much felt like the scrappy underdog, it was such a, a vindicating win, like for him, for the franchise. Um, and I remember like, I was, I was in the score office with Joe cash watching it that night. And I'll just like, always remember that night. Um, yeah, this, the line for him officially in that game, 43, 9 assists, 4 steals, 15 of 20 shooting, 11 of 15 from the line. And the, the next highest member, uh, highest scoring member of the starting five was Jonas Valanciunas with 11 points. James Johnson, 0 points. Luis Scola, 2 points. DeMar, 6 points. Second highest score on the team, of course, Terrence Ross, the king, uh, with 15. Like Again, one of those, he does it basically by himself games. Crazy. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like there were there are just like a ton of memorable individual performances from him that season. That was just a year when like they finally it seemed like the season before was going to be this season when they sort of finally mm-hmm. broke through and and became like legitimate. Um, but this was the year when it was like okay, this franchise is. I know things the narrative around them kind of changed in the playoffs <laughs> and maybe justifiably so. Mm-hmm. But certainly during that regular season, like that team was legit. They won 56 games, which like 
I was at the, like, at that point I was like, I'm never going to see this team win 50 games, you know, let alone make it <laughs> to a conference final. And obviously the playoffs started out in like super shaky fashion for the Raptors and for, for Lowry himself, mm-hmm. you know, he had that like tennis size, go- tennis ball sized goiter on his elbow <laughs> and couldn't shoot a lick. You know, he was like performatively taking jump shots after, I think it was after game one against Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, Where the only three he hit was the 75 foot bomb. Right. And yeah. I, I was at that game and that was, that was just like an incredible moment. Like as far <laughs> as just like moments in time, like forget games or, or like stakes or anything like that. But like, that's like, a, I think a top five moment for me as a fan, just being there for mm-hmm. that. Uh, even though they went on to lose that game. It was but a then, top like, three moment of my objectivity on press row being uh, called into uh, some sort of question <laughs> for <yeah>. sure. <laughs> um, and then, you know, in the second half of that Miami series, he was nails absolute mm-hmm. nails like his game seven in that series was again one of his best games ever absolutely dominated the heat like just completely destroyed them in that game seven mm-hmm. uh and then had a couple monster games in that Cavs series too like his game four against the Cavs. go back and watch the highlights from that game four like it, he was pulling up from 30 feet with regularity in that game and i think he, he wound up with 35 on 20 shots Mm-hmm. And and he he wound up getting the uh, the game icing layup when he he drove past J.R. Smith and Bismack Biombo, bless his heart, just grabbing Tristan Thompson by the arm <laughs> and got away with it so that that, that uh, Tristan couldn't help at the rim. But and that that's another reason, honestly, that like that season really stands out in my mind is like he got Bismack paid. He did that year. <laughs> yeah, um, that that Cavs series you mentioned game four where he has the 35 and that is to me one of my favorite Raptors games of all time just because it was you know there was, was all the jokes about them winning game three and Cleveland was hung over and like you know I think they were out with Drake the night before or whatever and it's like oh they this one they like slept walk through but like Cleveland gave them their best shot in game four they ran that stupid bench lineup that haunts me for the rest of time the same stupid option play where it was like Channing Fry burying threes, LeBron like thundering to the rim as the center kind of, and like Della Vadova was in there too. Mm-hmm. Basically unstoppable. They scored on like like 10 straight possessions, but the Raptors also did that, and Kyle was huge, hugely involved in that. And yeah, that was them taking the best shot from the Cavs and actually like kind of proving, oh no, we belong in the conference finals. Like whatever else happens in this series, whatever. But that was just like, uh, oh damn, that is the best the Raptors have ever played basketball to this point, I think. Yeah, that that stretch where they they ran that same play and scored on like 11 or 12 straight possessions was Madden. insane. <laughs> and, and ultimately, it was Lowry who finally broke it up. Uh, yeah. and, and he was just ridiculous down the stretch of that game. That was honestly one of DeMar's best games as well. And probably mm. the best game that like the two of them played at the same time. That's a good point. Yeah. That, uh, what did Mario do in that game? Let's pull up this. Let's pull up the box score. I love looking at these box scores. Yeah. Demar 32 on 14 to 23 with Kyle's 35. Yeah. That was a weird playoffs where they never really seemed to line up with who was playing well. And that was, they needed it against the Cavs. They absolutely did. Um, so the, he makes all NBA that season, third team, very exciting. We move into the next season and we will do that on the other side of the break. And this is a season that, 
makes me sad, but also very happy because of the level of Kyle Lowry we saw. We'll get to 2016-17 to close out the show in one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Your Toronto Blue Jays are very good. I saw Joe at a Blue Jays game last week. It was delightful, and they won. And you can go and bet on them to win more baseball games if you go to betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs and probably the World Series if we're being frank. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, meaning if you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 bucks to play with off the top. That's a great deal. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Joe. So we talked about how 15-16 is your favorite Lowry season. It's probably my second favorite Lowry season. I will maintain till my dying day that Kyle Lowry's best season is 2016-17. He was absolutely ridiculous in 2016-17 before that stupid wrist injury that he sustained, I guess maybe, you know, taking it too hard after golfing in the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend, took him out for a good chunk of the stretch run, and he never really got back up to full speed. But that season, he averages 22 a game. He has a 62.3 true shooting percentage. Like, ridiculous for a guy who's six feet tall. He also, that season, averages seven assists a game. To that point, the second most he'd ever averaged in a season. Uh, Four and a half boards. He shoots better, almost 52% all told on twos as well. Uh, Almost 50% from the field, frankly. Like, he was incredible. Just an unbelievable stretch from Lowry that, Really had me believing they could do some special things. They go and make the trade for Serge Ibaka and then PJ Tucker after that around the deadline. Um, you know, Larry has some huge sort of signature games in that stretch, in particular the Charlotte game right before the uh, the All Star break, where they're down 13 and then like Lowry and kind of like almost a similar ragtag crew as that Dallas game in 2019-20 come back and win it. Um, kind of sending them into the All Star break with some good vibes after the vibes have been tested in the previous month. I love this Kyle Lowry season. I don't think he's ever played better than he did this season. And I'm forever devastated that it got cut short by the wrist injury. And like th- that kind of brought with it some bad vibes too, because he was a free agent. He was going into you know the off season and it really seemed like he might leave. There were the sort of dalliances with the wolves. And I think the spurs were in there, the heat probably again, and he ends up staying, but you know, just kind of take us through your feelings watching that season, Joe, the 16, 17 year where over 60 games, we got probably the best Kyle Lowry we'll ever see. Yeah. Agreed on that front. Um, this is like, as far as his level, I think this is the best Lowry season. And I, I, I don't know. It's another one of those seasons where it's like, you have a bit of a bitter taste because of how it ended. Yeah. And I think like without a doubt, he makes all NBA this season. If he doesn't get hurt, I think he wound up missing 20 games with that wrist injury. Didn't get um, a single vote, which is which, mad, which is still. pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Cause like even like 60 games is still like it. That's three quarters of the season, you know? Yeah. When yeah. he was otherworldly. And 
I just I will always remember him him shooting a nine in the three point shootout at All Star Weekend, and then I think it was like maybe twenty four hours later when they announced that that he picked up that wrist injury and that was gonna we didn't even know like at the time how much time he was gonna yeah. miss right it seemed like because well, there was miss- the Zapruder film of him with like the wrap on his wrist during the All Star game right and people were losing their minds over that apparently justifiably so in hindsight but yeah. Uh, it seemed like he might miss, you know, the he might be out for the rest of the season. And then this this season that, again, had had begun with so much promise mm-hmm. was going to be completely derailed. And then there's like, they make the trade, they get P.J. Tucker and Ibaka at the deadline. DeRozan plays probably like his best stretch of basketball to carry the team to the finish line. And the whole time, it's like you're getting updates about Lowry and just dreaming on how good the team can be when Lowry gets back. He finally does come back with four games left in the season. They win all four of them. Mm-hmm. And then, again, it's like... he the, the, That first game against Milwaukee was like pretty haunting because it really seemed like that was the year they, they were just ready to put all of those postseason demons to rest. Yeah. Uh, that they were going to have a legitimate chance maybe to upend the Cavs, who would look very shaky down the stretch of the regular season. And then they lose that game one against Milwaukee, and Lowry has four points in that game. And um, it was just weird. Like, he was good for the rest of the postseason uh, until he picked up that ankle injury. But, like, uh, they were just so – like, they squeaked past the Bucks. And then were just, like, completely not competitive against the Cavs in the second Mm -hmm. round. And obviously, like, that's – in large part because Lowry missed like the last two and a half games of that series, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a very dispiriting way for that season to end. And then it, it ends, uh, you know, amidst all these rumors that Lowry is uh, prepared to move on. I think it was Bruce, Bruce Arthur who, who wrote a column, like kind of with all of that Intel and yeah. also sort of hinting that Lowry could have played in those last couple of games and basically opted not to. Yeah. Um, which like sucks, but also makes sense because it mm-hmm. didn't seem like the Raptors really had much of a chance to win that series. And for a guy who was on the wrong side of 30 at the time, entering free agency, looking to maybe cash out, you know, didn't work out that way. He's cashed out like a couple different times since then. Yeah. He's doing but, all right. <laughs> but as an undersized point guard, you know, in his thirties, like, it, that certainly could have been his last opportunity to really cash out. So I do kind of understand. And I don't even know if that's true. Like if he felt like he could play and decided not to, but I definitely understand going into free agency in that situation. Is it really worth it for me to like come out here and play my, you know, Kyle Lowry brand of basketball, which is, you, you know, reckless at the best of times, <laughs> like to try and bring this team back in, in this seemingly hopeless endeavor before I hit, uh, you know, what's going to be a really important free agency for me. Um, I, I, I get it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't know, like, I don't know how much truth there is to that uh, because I feel like the Kyle Lowry that we all know, like if he could play, he would have played. Um, yeah. But maybe not. And I, I guess if there was one situation when, you know, like he actually might have made a, a decision that was not in line with his typical competitive instincts, that would have been it. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I like at that point in time, it seemed like even more so, honestly, than in 2014, it seemed like he was going to be out the door. Yeah, I was very worried he was going to go elsewhere. You know, the fact that the Wolves were like, I guess as, as the market kind of bared out and it seemed like, hey, the Wolves, the Spurs, maybe Miami, like 
as that kind of progressed, I felt a little bit better just seeing how the market was playing out. But at the, at the end of the season, I was pretty convinced like he's gone and that Bruce Arthur thing comes down and it's like, oh God, this feels basically like a sure thing that he's going to be out the door. And I remember, <laughs> I, 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 I'm curious to know where you were when you found out he was staying. I remember I was in a movie. I went to go see The Big Sick, which I don't remember if it was good or bad. I'm sure it was fine. And I got out and I got the notification and I just like, I, I, oh, this is not over. Okay, let's go. Like this is, it was like this sort of like boost of just like renewed energy for the team. And I know there was a lot to sort of figure out because, you know, the same thing had happened two years in a row and that was on the heels of the Wizards sweep as well. And it was just like sweep after sweep. And it, and it seemed like they were never going to get out of their own way or, or burst through the LeBron wall, which they never did, obviously. But, you know, this kind of allows you to feel hope again that, oh, maybe something, maybe some new iteration of the team can be built around Kyle. And as long as Kyle's here, there's some hope that they're going to be very good. And there's it's almost the guarantee that they're going to be very good. And whether or not they sort of burst through, you know, those sort of obstacles is up to up, up, up for debate. But I, I thought the, just the fact that he was back was just such a relief. I, I remember just feeling so at ease knowing he was going to be back. Where were you when you found out? Do you remember the, how that, that all went down? Uh, I don't remember specifically, but I do remember being in bed. Cause I feel like that was another one that kind of dropped late at night. <laughs> and uh, he had written that player's tribune post, which obviously I, yeah. like, I read right away. Yeah. And I, I do remember like, honestly rolling my eyes at it a little bit because he was like really hammering home like that this is home if you start something you finish it etc etc and just at the time it felt like that felt a little bit disingenuous given that it seemed like you know he had very much been welcoming overtures from other teams he even said like i think he came out and said a couple months after that, that he had been interested in the Spurs, but that like the yeah. interest hadn't been mutual. Yeah. Um, so it's not like he was making any secret of the fact that he was like, at least considering going elsewhere and that like, it, you know, his, his options just sort of steadily narrowed until like his last best option seemed to be, you know, at least if he wanted to get paid the way that he clearly deserved mm-hmm. to get paid, like his best option was to stick around. And so I, I was thrilled, obviously, um, but I was like, I remember reading that piece and being like, okay, come on, Kyle. <laughs> like, um, you know, we, we all know you'd be a Timberwolf right now if they hadn't decided to go after Jeff Teague instead. For some yeah, I re- that was the moment where I was like, oh, maybe he's staying because Jeff Teague is a wolf now. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was like the Wolves, the Spurs, and maybe even the Sixers, uh, that, yeah, that I think like I misspoke before. when I said it was the Heat. The Sixers makes more sense. Um, and all of them kind of decided to go in a different direction, which is like, you know, the, the sort of story of Kyle Lowry as a Raptor. And I wrote about this at the trade deadline when everyone thought he was gone for like the zillionth time and he stayed <laughs> for like the zillionth time it was like, this is like part of the Kyle Lowry story in Toronto is that he's all, it always seems to have one foot out the door mm-hmm. and something always seems to just like keep him in Toronto, you know, like, like Kyle Lowry and this organization just can't seem to quit each other for one reason or another. (laughs) And, and that was just another one of those inflection points, right. Where he very much could have been gone, but he wasn't. Uh, And that, that obviously worked out to his benefit and to the organization's benefit. Um, And, you know, in hindsight, obviously, like, again, I I, like saying that maybe, or I felt at the time, like it was going to be his last chance to really cash out. 
I'm trying to do the math quickly in my head here, but that was a three-year, $90 million deal that he signed then. Yeah. Raptors wound up tacking on another year and another $30 million onto that. So that's four years, 120 from the Raptors. And he mm-hmm. just signed for another three years, 90. So we're talking about seven years, $210 million. What a kill. Kyle Lowry signed for <laughs> after that 2016-17 season. Yeah. Um, so An absolute legend. There's no other way to... Uh to sum it up uh joe that, that brings us to the end of us reflecting on the three peak years of kyle lowry uh and we'll uh you know we'll leave it there but do you have anything that you would like to plug before we get the hell out of here um i guess like in keeping with the theme of the podcast i did this is like a week ago now but i did write uh a, you know like every other, you know, like Raptors adjacent writer slash blogger, I did write like a, a Kyle Lowry farewell piece uh, mm-hmm. at the score. So you can go and check that out. Um, just kind of getting in my feelings, which is something that I haven't really done in a while. I feel like <laughs> when I was coming up in this game, that was kind of my brand was to write these super emotional uh, Raptors blog boy pieces. Uh, and it was it was fun to kind of tap into that again. Uh, as I as I bid farewell to the groat. Yeah, I I was going to write some sort of thing, but everyone else did. So I figured let's do podcasts. Also, this really lines up with my laziness and all of that, too. So uh, <laughs> this has been lovely, Joe. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to the listeners for tuning in. Of course, uh, you can, again, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. This podcast is on all your favorite podcast providers and on YouTube starting on Monday, where we will have Florida State head coach Leonard Hamilton to talk all about Scotty Barnes and his one year at Florida State. Uh, So please get geared up, subscribe to the show on YouTube and get ready for that on Monday. Uh, The podcast is not going anywhere from the regular podcast apps. It's just going to be in more places. So that's a good thing for you. Uh, And uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Katie Heindel is going to join the show. We're going to talk about the adaptation years, as I'm calling them for Kyle between 2017 and 2020 maybe 2018 19 either way maybe 2020 there's lots of great stuff in there we'll, we'll get into all of it with kyle lowry uh who again contains many many multitudes uh on tomorrow's show with katie as she joined us from vegas summer league uh and we'll have some summer league thoughts on tomorrow's podcast as well so stay tuned for those in addition uh we'll talk to you on thursday with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.